Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. Thanks for listening. You know, I was originally planning to do this episode on what a Donald Trump presidency means for M&A, but given all the Trump coverage, I felt like that can wait because honestly, we're really just guessing at this point. So we will do an episode on that later. Um, But this week, I needed a break from politics. And what better way to take a break than to think of Twinkies, Ho-Hos, and Ding Dongs? Hostess Brands Incorporated, yes, the famous Hostess, has emerged from bankruptcy as a newly traded public company on the NASDAQ. And it wasn't that long ago, only about four years ago, that it looked as if the world may lose all those iconic products to Chapter 7 liquidation. But two private equity firms, Apollo and Metropolis and Company, which owns other products like Paps Blue Ribbon and Vlasic Pickles, bought Hostess out of bankruptcy for $410 million, and now the company has a market cap of about $1.6 billion trading on the NASDAQ. So this is an American success story, at least for the time being, Uh, and I had the chance late last week to sit down with Hostess CEO Bill Toller to tell me about how his company is better prepared this time around for life as a public company. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. Great to be with you. Um, thank you for being here. So, so help me set the stage here because uh, I remember uh, distinctly back in 2012, uh, the news crossing. I was sitting at my desk at Bloomberg, and the news crossing that Hostess was going bankrupt, and all of its famous brands, Twinkies, Ho Hos, would be discontinued or sold off. Uh, and now today, Hostess is coming back as a public company, and all these brands are still there. So I want to make sure our listeners know the timeline and also when you got involved with the company. Sure. Yeah, the timeline is rather ironic because it was exactly four years ago this week that Hostess filed Chapter 7. And you hear a lot about Chapter 11s, which are balance sheet reorganizations and you know bankruptcies. But a Chapter 7 is very different, where literally the product stops being produced. It comes off the shelf. Unfortunately, all the workers are released. So when we got back into the business, that happened in November 2012. When we got back into the business in 2013, we had no plants, no customers, no employees. We just had a brand and an idea. And that really became the genesis for what the story is, that it's led to uh, this IPO this week and this exciting time for Hostess. And so does that mean that sort of the, the core of Hostess has changed, or is it still sort of the same company from what you know people might remember as a child? Yeah, it's, it's yes and no in the sense that the brand is still the core of what people know, and there's a beautiful connection with Americans and really people around the world with the Hostess brand. Generally, they all identify with the first product they ate. They usually will tell you whether it was their grandmother or their mother or their aunt or uncle that gave it to them, and they'll ask a, a you know anecdotal question about you know what happened to the silver wrapper on Ho-Ho or the, or the wrappers on Ding Dongs and what's changed. But that the brand has pretty much stayed the same, uh, and we brought back factories that were a part of the old Hostess network, but we brought back 
uh, three of them that are operating today. Uh, in the old world, we had about 11 of them that were making it. So a much more centralized and focused manufacturing strategy is a big part of this hostess chain. And just so I'm clear, when you say the brand, does that also extend to the products themselves? So, yes. So, so it's the same general array of products. Same general array. The, the, the wonderful sort of humorous names of Ding Dong and Ho Ho and Twinkie and Apple Pie and Cupcakes and Zingers and such have all been there. More than Most of them have been there more than 50 years. And are the products made the same? Will they taste the same from 25 years ago for people that aren't eating these things every day? Yes, they do taste the same. They have slightly different ingredients now than they had then. Um, we've got a little longer shelf life, which allows us to go through the retailer's warehouse. So that gives us a different business model. And that's part of what's different now about Hostess versus what it was you know, four years ago. All right, we'll come back to that topic in just a bit. But, uh, you know, this is a, uh, for for listeners that know, this is an M&A podcast. And I want to get into a little bit about what happened between 2012 and today. Um, so, so, in other words, you were going, the, the, the company was going to be discontinued. And then buyers came in and and allowed you to stay for several years as a private company, utilizing uh, what's called a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, that which was sort of an affiliate of Gore Group. Help our listeners understand what you were able to do as a private company and sort of what these SPACs allow companies to do that then lead them to be able to go public later. Right. The SPAC really came in at the end. At the so end. I'll back up to kind of when we came back, right? Um, this was led by Dean Metropolis and Apollo Investments, uh, Andy Jawar. Correct. Private equity firms. Private equity firms. Two private equity firms that came together and bought the hostess assets out of Chapter 7 bankruptcy. They brought them back over the spring of 2013 with this idea that let's change the model. Let's not go through a direct store delivery system, which has trucks and depots and regional manufacturing. Let's change the model to a warehouse model, which leverages the, the, the Walmarts, the Kroger's, the Dollar General warehouses. And we actually go through people like McLean and Cormark and others to get to our customers. And it works well for us because it's very efficient. It works well for our customers because they actually like to control their stores. They don't necessarily want all these DSD individual route drivers in their stores. So it gives them really executional control over the merchandising and how their stores look and how their stores are supporting the uh, the products and the, and the features that they want to run in store. So that was the model that came back in the, it came back on July 13th in 2013. And so was it the distribution method of hostess that was the primary cause for why the company went bankrupt back in 2012 or was it because demand for the product was diminishing or other reasons no it's it's often misunderstood the demand issue hostess actually never had a consumer problem consumers have always wanted the brand they've always purchased the brand even in its last days in 2012 the sales volume on hostess was just fine it was just an inefficient regional system that didn't work well for that product in that particular time it was also integrated and tied up with the bread businesses and now it's been separated out and so really the the gem of the Hostess Old Co. portfolio is the sweet baked goods business, and that's the part that our owners bought and brought out and have leveraged now into this new business. And so explain when you get involved as CEO and sort of what brought you to Hostess. Right. Well, I got involved in the spring of 14, so we've been back on the market about seven or eight months. And what brought me to Hostess was, frankly, my relationship with Dean Metropolis, who's the you know primary owner of the business. Dean and I had worked together at Pinnacle Foods back in the early 2000s and had a great relationship and kind of understood each other and worked well together. Also, my respect for Apollo and Andy Jawar, and I 
I'd known Andy for a number of years. But most importantly is, you know, that you get a rare chance in your career to be a part of a brand like Hostess and to be part of fixing and putting it back on the shelf forever. And now the great fortune of being able to be a part of the IPO and taking it public so that everyone can be a part of Hostess uh, is it was what attracted me to this business and to this company. All right. So let's get back to the products here. And you mentioned that, you know, demand has never been an issue, but clearly food tastes are changing with times. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, if I tried to buy Twinkies and Ding Dongs for my two little boys, my wife would kill me. There's no way that she would let me feed them that. So how are you appealing to a younger audience, which maybe has healthier food tastes. Yeah, the the better for you, healthier sort of mega trend is certainly there. Uh, we are aware of it. We're doing things around it. A couple of things we've done on our products already. Number one, we've taken out our partially hydrogenated oils, so trans fats come out of the product. Uh, we are working on working uh, taking out high fructose corn syrup and artificial colors, artificial flavors, and those are some of the things that people who are sensitive to certain ingredients watch and look for. Right. Um, we've also done some things around positive nutrition where we put whole grain into our mini muffins and whole grains into the mini muffins has caused a very nice lift on that business. So we're seeing that rewarding consumers with whole grains and with positive nutrition is a very good thing to do. Likewise, we qualified for the first uh, smart snack program in schools. So kids are going to be able to get our mini muffin whole grain products in schools as well. So that's part of the overall strategy of better for you for hostess but you should also know that as a part of an overall balanced lifestyle people are still making indulgent choices quite frequently in fact we really compete in two major categories the baked goods aisle where we operate the primary hostess business that's growing at three to four percent which is far above the average center of the store grocery category and we compete in in in-store bakery that perimeter category that's growing at about seven percent so each one of those are about $7 billion in sales. Both are growing at far above the, the average store uh, category. So what I would say to you is that people do think about and lead a balanced lifestyle overall. But when they make that indulgent treat, they treat themselves to the products they want that taste the way they want them. So we kind of play on a little bit of both sides of that, of that question. I want to talk a little bit more about the brand, but uh, first a quick word from our sponsor. Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. Back with Bill Toller, Hostess CEO. uh, Hostess emerging as a newly traded public company. Uh, The ticker, by the way, is for Twinkie, right? T-W-N-K. T-W-N-K. for interested investors or simply watchers um, of equity trading. Uh, and it will be trading uh, on trading the NASDAQ. That's trading now on NASDAQ. On the NASDAQ, correct. So I um, want to get back to the brand a little bit. Uh, obviously, I think anyone who's can sort of think back to their childhood that's listening to this podcast uh, knows Hostess very well. Um, but perhaps there is sort of that stigma that I was alluding to that Hostess isn't good for you and therefore – uh, you know, even though I sort of have fond memories of eating Hostess cupcakes, I don't want to serve that to my kids. Is there is there sort of a way that you can tweak the brand so that the nostalgia stays, but that the stigma goes away, other than sort of the, you know, 
nuts and bolts blocking and tackling ingredient changes that you were talking about. Yeah, I think it's twofold. It is the ingredient changes, which we are making and working on looking at every day. And two, it's about becoming relevant in our messaging to millennials, right? If you think about Hostess with all the challenges in 2012 and the multiple bankruptcies back in the in the, in the 2000s, um, the brand really hasn't had a, a, a cogent, consistent message to consumers. And so we've lost a little bit of a generation there that we need to go out and, and really reconnect with. Luckily, social media and all the tools and channels available to us now make that pretty efficient for us to do. So we are contemporizing our message. We're modernizing how we talk to consumers. We're getting more involved in grassroots marketing and more sort of viral type opportunities. Uh, We think that the brand itself carries an awful lot of marketing pizzazz and PR pizzazz, and so that helps us as well. And so you'll see us connecting in different ways with consumers going forward. Was the plan always to go public since you've been brought on, or was there ever talk from Apollo and the other owners that maybe selling the business was the best exit? Yeah, like most private equity investors, they look at sort of you know selling or going public or you know reinvesting and keeping in the business. And in this particular case, we were approached by the Gores Group, the SPAC that you mentioned earlier, and uh, Dean and, uh, and Andy at Apollo have had a relationship with Gores for a long time, and they were very good partners to work with, and they gave us a very um, expedient and expeditious route to market. You know, you remember early in the year, IPOs weren't, you know, weren't doing so well. Actually, weren't happening for the first quarter. And so, second quarter, third quarter, they picked up a great deal. This vehicle got us to market quickly and efficiently, and really, uh, kind of, quite frankly, worked well for everybody. The company does carry a little bit of debt on it. I think its uh, hosts is aiming for a leverage ratio of about four and a half times adjusted 2016 EBITDA. Correct. Uh, that compares to an average in the industry of about three and a half times, roughly. Um, is that a concern for investors? Should investors look at that in a particular way? No, we're very comfortable at four and a half. When we were private, we were actually higher than that because our cash flow and margins are such and our free cash flow conversion is so high that we are very comfortable at that level. Uh, if you look at other companies that do things like we do, four and a half is sort of an average level, whether it's the Pinnacles of the world or the B&Gs of the world, that type company. Uh, so we're very comfortable there and we'll probably keep at that level for some time. But as we move down the road, make acquisitions you may see that go up, and then it obviously pays down pretty quickly. I know the FDA is requiring adding sugar to be listed on labels starting in 2018. What is that going to mean for the baked goods industry? Well, it's it's obviously a industry food industry issue, even broader than baked goods. What it means is that, that that we will have to sort of remain again on that cutting edge of product technology and and ingredients to make sure that if we decide to stay with sugar, which is a very very prominent agreement today, that you know that we're ready for the implications of that and ready for that. We're also working with our suppliers to broaden our ingredient uh, panel to use a combination of starches and enzymes and other sweeteners that perhaps will will not have to make us declare anything that uh, comes into that. And that's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a ways away and a lot of discussion still to be had on that issue. As you look at the stock in the near term, emerging from bankruptcy, do you have sort of a target in mind? Are you looking for, uh, you know, in the next quarter, a certain performance? No, look, we're we're at a very nicely growing business. The business we just reported a very strong quarter, uh, you know, top line growing at double digits, you know, EBITDA growing faster than that. So, uh, a very we're very pleased with our momentum. We're pleased with our new product portfolio. We're getting into white space channels, places where we hadn't been before, and deeper distribution that our that our new model enables. So, we're very pleased with our ability. What to, are what are some of those places? Yeah, I, I mean, deeper into C stores, into drug stores, into dollar stores. Uh, 
broader into channels like vending, moving into food service, uh, in-store bakery, international is a place we can play now. Um, we're actually doing some licensing on products or, or analog products that can get us into different categories as well. We moved into Frozen with Deep Fried Twinkies. That's a frozen product that's out there, which is the old state fair favorite that everybody loves to make for uh, themselves at home on a night you want a sweet treat. Um, so those are the things that we're working on. So we really think this brand, because of its heritage and sweet baked goods, can go into lots of places in the store, lots of categories, and continue to growing for quite some time. Hostess began selling its cupcakes in 1919, and then Twinkies 11 years later in 1930, and here we are in 2016 with the company once again becoming a publicly traded company. Bill Toller, CEO of Hostess, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Alex. I appreciate it. So that's it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed that. Grab a Twinkie or a Ding Dong uh, now that you've finished the episode. Treat yourself, even if my wife won't let me treat our kids. Uh, if she's listening. Um, And also, please rate and review the show on iTunes or on any podcast app you use to listen to the show. And please take a minute to uh, email me at asherman6 at bloomberg.net if you have any ideas for future guests or ideas of topics for the show. And please follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949. See you next week. Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated.